So today's podcast is a, a special edition of the Learning to Fly podcast. I'm joined by Matt Smith as we, um, as it's called, Raging Against the Machine. Um, raging Against the the Learning Machine as it is right now. Um, there's a few things that, as we discuss, is kind of a bit broken across the whole learning industry and has been broken for a while, but uh, there are little changes that can be made that can make a huge difference, and we just riff on a few ideas and and keep the uh, keep the rage monster under control. But it comes up bubbling a couple of times, but it's it's all good, uh, and it's great to hear Matt's uh, thoughts on this. Um, yeah, he's just a he's a a good learning man with a lot of great ideas and a, and a practical approach to how things could change for the better. Uh, enjoy let us know what you think and there will be another edition of this because we've only scratched the surface matt smith how's it going how are you going mate Fantastic, thank you. Excellent. Uh, thank you for clicking on the link and uh, and and getting through to the podcast. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Are Excellent. We, are we live we're, and going? We're live and going. So this is a this is a special edition. I think you, I could say of the of the Learning to Fly podcast. Normally, I get people on and. And chat about their learning journey and and all that sort of stuff, and and we're going to be doing that with you at some stage. But uh, I thought it'd be good to talk about something something else today. Um, so before we get started, so what's your what's your do you do you have a do you have an official job title these days, Matt? What's your, <laughs> what, what 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 are you? What's your, <laughs> what is it? What's your t- <laughs> I'd say I'd say man of the world, but I uh, can't really travel anywhere at the moment. Uh, I'm uh, I'm temporarily retired at the moment, taking a, a tiny bit of a career break, but doing all sorts of things and taking the opportunity to experiment and play around with a few different things. And um, yeah, definitely a, a lot of things in the learning space, obviously. Yeah, and and experimenting and playing around probably. Um feeds in quite well to what I thought we'd be talking about today so mm-hmm. uh, we talked about this the other week so I think there's you've been you've been in the how, how long have you been working in the learning industry now for uh, I think if we talk specifically about L&D about 10 years um, prior to that a lot of management roles and coaching roles face-to-face training so a little bit longer than that but I think really aggressively um, just working in the L&D field for, for just over 10 years aggressively yeah aggressively <laughs> aggressive experience with okay. anger so yep. i've got about you know i've probably got 20 odd years back to back to my teaching days back in the days which we'll probably touch on at some stage but um so when we were riffing on this the other week I, I, one of the things i think that yeah that and i and i've seen the way i've seen your posts from time to time and obviously have heard you speak and i think that learning is not any different to many other industries and in that I think as we're seeing across the world right now, there are a lot of industries, most industries are broken in some way mm-hmm. and, and learning is not different. And I think there, and there are, and the learning industry has been broken parts of it all. You know, there, there are break breakings in it that are, are obviously pre COVID that have been around a long time. And, and, and maybe it's timely that we, 
have a bit of a I don't know a bit of a, a bit of a riff today mm-hmm. on things that we see and maybe um, could be better mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe just some and have a bit of a chat about some simple things that we think could be could happen differently to maybe start to mend some of the breakages mm-hmm. absolutely yeah have you have you heard of Sturgeon's law uh, no but I'm already <laughs> what, interested to hear what you're gonna say it's um, Sturgeon's law is uh, is something derived from a, a science fiction writer called Theodore Sturgeon who uh, was being interviewed I think on a panel or something and was asked about why so much of sci-fi writing is terrible and his response was I'm paraphrasing here something along the lines of 90% of every art is crap and uh, so Sturgeon's law is 90% of everything is crap and if you look at any industry really a large chunk of that work and especially in creative fields is you know not not of a, a great quality um and i think that's i don't know i've i learned about that about a year ago and i i think about that quite a lot and i think about you know what what are the factors for that obviously everything can't be perfect but um i think that there's some sort of cold um uh, kind of it, it helps you helps you think about things in a, in a bit of a different way and, and how you can avoid kind of falling into some of those traps to create, you know, solutions that are, that aren't crap really. It wasn't, well, well, you know, speaking about sci-fi, wasn't L. Ron Hubbard, a science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently I have never read any of his work, but apparently it wasn't that good. Yep. Um, and of course he's like, well, this, this whole sci-fi writing is not really working out for me. Let's just start a religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and there's probably a few people in the learning industry that could that sometimes you think want to start their own religion. <laughs> yes. um, God help us, pardon the pun. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's a lot there, there's a lot of crap out there, um, mm. and and unfortunately it it's it's the old classic of you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get started on some and and we and you sent me through a couple of great ideas to get started on and and so i thought we'd let's let's just jump straight into something that is pretty topical right now for a lot of people which was the whole of course covid we're working from home um you know we can't do the workshops anymore let's all let's all go digital uh let's all go virtual and uh and it's amazing how many people um, that never talked about going virtual or digital uh, have have so quickly pivoted mm. and and uh, and are now are now fully embracing everything mm. that is virtual and digital, uh, and that is already um, going to throw up a few challenges. So, what, what's your what's your take on on hey uh, everyone everyone's lo- loving digital and virtual now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Um... It's it's good. It's important to understand, you know, who who is, who is really kind of an expert in this sort of stuff. Um, like you said, there's a lot of people who are now putting out thought leadership pieces and articles about, you know, how to run remote teams or Don't how to run virtual on those two words, Matt. What was that? Sorry. Don't get me started on those two words, thought leadership. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I had a buzzer, I would already be pressing it. And yep. uh, let's just, uh, let's, sorry, carry on, but we can't, sure, sure. Can't, you can't use those words again. Okay, sure. <laughs> you can find me every time I'll put it in the yeah. thought leadership jar. Whoops, yeah. there we go. Um, 
but but I think it, it's important to get get the right advice from from the right people. And I think just generally as an as an industry, I mean, what we're all devoted to is building skills and essentially building expertise. And I think sometimes we, well, quite often really, we don't really respect expertise. Um, we try and do a lot of things ourselves. So if we're you know, a face-to-face trainer, we might jump in and, and just try and convert everything we have into some sort of virtual workshop. Or uh, if we've never run a, ver- a remote team before, we might try and kind of just grab as many LinkedIn posts as possible and try and figure it out for ourselves. But I think there's real value in talking to people who have actually gone through it before and made all the mistakes and yeah. people have really thought deeply about it as well. So I think that's probably like a, a really big thing that maybe hasn't happened because it's just been so sudden and everyone's being caught off off guard. But now as we're starting to go back to workplaces and we're starting to see workplaces start adopting more technology, adopting more virtual practices and more flexible working conditions, um, we can't just think, oh, it's it's over. We did an okay job. We'll just keep doing what we kind of just, you know, slam together really quickly. Yeah, I, I I think the picking up on the the expertise, I think there's that there's a danger. Or the the biggest thing I've seen, and and you can see this obviously in the in the US elections of of 2016, is that expertise um, in in certain pockets has been discounted, and it and it's all about experience. Hmm. So 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 you know again with our with our with our friend um, Donald Trump was around. Hey, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to surround myself with experts, but actually, the experts doesn't matter. It's my experience. Look at my business experience. Now, sure, mm-hmm. I bankrupted a whole bunch of casinos, but it's still. <laughs> but but experience is experience, right? And and I think that and, I, and I've seen that coming through in learning sometimes, where it's like we don't need the experts because we've got this experience. It's well, there's a whole bunch of things that if you're going to be an expert in something that you've put in work, mm-hmm. um, be it through formal education or into there's an intellectual rigor to to expertise that can then be drawn on whereas experience of course is i've just done that stuff for a while whether i was any good at it um that's right it's another thing entirely so i think yeah i think there's a the 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 move away from and, and hopefully it's going to start swinging back the other way but that move away from expertise over the last four or five years um you see the output of it Mm, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, someone could be could have thirty years experience doing something, but they could have been spending thirty years doing a really crap job for that thing as well. So, you know, you really need to kind of cut through the buzzwords, and um, you know, a lot of people are seen as experts because they just talk a lot and they're very loud. But there's a lot of people who who aren't very loud and aren't outspoken and aren't out there putting themselves out at conferences who are just there every day doing the work, thinking about it, doing doing a great job. Just get this, mate. I could, I could, I could hug you right now, but it, because of social distancing. But it's do the work. Um, mm. Oh, look at it, and, and I, we've talked about this. It, it amazes me how many people that are um, that are in the leadership space or the change space or the culture space um, that that are out there, you know, talking and stuff and and and, and pushing stuff when they were inside organizations, they couldn't do any of the things that mm-hmm. they are now, um, pre, you know, that, that they're now saying that they, they couldn't execute it. Mm-hmm. So they're there. And, and I think that's a big challenge with, 
and we're, and we're sort of drifting around a bit already, which is great. But I think that's a big challenge that 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 learning has from time to time is that it's good at the ideation and lousy at the execution. Mm-hmm. Yep. It can do the first part really good. Let's come up with some ideas and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when it comes to really executing it and making it happen and putting it and really embedding it into a, a place that where people use it, it's like, oh, you know, it's the old classic of, hey, that was a great workshop. What, what, so what do we do with this now? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's another session. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't help you with that. I'm the ideation. I'm the. I'm the ideation vendor. You need the execution vendor, and 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 it's like, oh man, no one told me that. That's right. And and there's a lot of people who will uh, just say they can do everything as well. And you know, I think at one point we're saying you need to hire experts. You need to work with experts, or you need to you know learn from experts. Um, but the other. The other part we're saying is you've got to be careful because there are people who are saying they're experts who who aren't experts. Um, I was having a really good chat to a couple of people last night, actually, um, in our industry about proposals and about selling. And I think there's a way that people buy and a way that people sell that's really, really broken. We, the, the process isn't really structured to actually, you know, be skeptical and sort out kind of the, the wheat from the chaff to really understand if someone is an expert. It's, it's too focused on kind of proposals, send us through like a really flashy proposal and we'll look at it and we'll compare it with a couple of other flashy proposals. And it's, it's looking at kind of all the style, but it's not looking at the substance side of things. And so I think if you, in your, you know, if, if you're an L&D person listening to this and you're looking for a vendor or a contractor or an expert, you know, you need to be having a conversation and, you know, it's your job to really be the, the gatekeeper, really, to not let anyone through into your organization who is kind of talking crap. You need to be asking them really good questions and you might not be an expert in that field, but, you know, you will be able to ask some questions about how would you solve this problem? You know, what's your process? And if people are just kind of telling you what you want to hear, then they're just trying to get the sale. They're they're not really actively trying to think about solving your problem, and they're they're probably not an expert in what you're looking for. Yeah, I I think it's it's the it's being comfortable in the problem. Like if, again, if you're talking to a vendor, you, you might go, look, we think this is a problem, but it might not be the problem. Um, mm. How would you help us figure out what is the problem? And and you could probably tell pretty quickly from their reaction if if it's someone that you want to spend some more time with, because I think it's, yeah, I think it's that being comfortable and really, yeah, being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and staying in the problem. And, and I think there's another challenge around learning in general. And this is, um, you know, when it comes to proposals that, yeah, it's often you, you're wanting to find out that the learn the learning for me is just the, which is often what's the proposal about. It's actually only part of, what learning is but it's the bit that everyone kind of focuses on so when you when you're talking with someone you know like you're going cool you're showing me a a module you're showing me a workshop you're showing me a program we show me something can you tell me how it fixed the problem or how it solved the challenge or whatever it is because there's always two other parts that i think is missing which is around cool so you've designed some learning but that's not even in a way learning that's um lifting awareness about something or you know you're getting someone to you're introducing a topic or an idea but then how did you design what did you do to get them to actually practice it back on the job like apply it um and and i think in some ways you have to design that you can't just go hey here's an idea now go and do it back on your job like you need to design um you need to design the actual application or you know you design the practice 
and then and then also the reflection like a lot of people don't know how to mm-hmm. reflect because they no one's ever really taught them they think about stuff but there's a difference between thinking about stuff and reflecting on stuff and then integrating that into a new practice and i think sometimes it's yeah proposals focus on the first bit which is the the kind of the, the sizzle and the and the and the and the flashy looking stuff but when you start peeling back the onion and going how did this really solve the problem you you can find out from people out there and learning the ones that are all about the you know all about the surface but they don't go too much deeper than that and i think just as a field of work we do have a addiction to content and you know you think 20 odd years ago it was it was an addiction to events like classroom training or seminars or lectures and then as we moved from the training department and rebranded ourselves as learning and development um we started to embrace things like technology and putting workbooks together and job aids and things like that which are all good and all have uses but we, we just have shifted our addiction to kind of that that in-person event to now content and every, you know, most problems seem to be solved with content, which is a real problem. And then when you just have that content mindset, you're not exploring other options. You're not questioning if content's the right solution. And then you end up with organizations that have thousands of pieces of e-learning or documents in the learning management system that no one looks at. You have this big overhead of, you know, maintenance really, where you have to just like I've, I've been hired by companies to come in and, and just look through their thousands of courses and say, you know, what do we do? What do we need to revamp? What do we need to use? And, and most of the time, the answer is you just need to get rid of most of it because it's Take not going to Take a to the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you, you just you just got this sunk cost fallacy. Like we've, we've bought this stuff and we need to maintain it, but it's, it's not valuable at all. It's just it's actually just getting in the way of, of anything that could be valuable. Where do you think this obsession with content has come from? Uh, I think there's a, there's uh, kind of on the first layer, it's really easy. You know, it's, it's easy to buy content. It's easy to buy content services. Um, it's easy to roll out. So we have a, you know, an issue with measurement in our industry where it's easy to measure completions. It's easy to measure, you know, I've seen so many articles with what's happened with COVID-19, um, you know, Look at look at the thirty thousand hours of learning people have done, um, you know, or how do we get people to learn now that they're not in the office and stuff like that? I mean, content has nothing to do with learning. Learning and content no. are, are different things. Um, so what they're really saying is people have sat through thirty hours of content, or how are we going to push out content to people? And so I think that's that gives us a, a really easy way out. Yeah, look, we've produced this content. Our content has won awards. Um, but I think if we go back a few more layers. I, I think overall our industry just has an identity crisis. We don't really know what we want to be. We're, we're kind of stuck with, we're, we're still acting like we're the training department, we're the trainers, and we might not be going out there and doing face-to-face. We're just making content now and pushing it out. Um, but we also don't want to be the training department. We, you know, you see a lot of people talk about how do we get a seat at the table? You know, we want to change the culture of our business, which I don't think L&D um, can do by themselves, obviously. No. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we're just wrestling with what is our purpose in the organization. I think that's a, a really fundamental question that as an industry, but also each L&D department needs to kind of answer is what, what is our actual purpose in our company? What what are we here to do? How do we best serve the interests of all the employees and and the business? 
Oh, mate, the, the, this is now that we're going to go down a rabbit hole now. So mm. I, 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 I think you're looking at your, I would swear you're looking at my notes right now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just right. Learning, learning, I think across, okay, this is my take on, I think learning has a, a big marketing problem mm-hmm. um, and, 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 a, and an identity problem. And I think a lot of my, from my take on it, having been uh, a teacher in the school system, it all starts with school. Yep. Um, so from from you know if you and I and I believe that and and, and look and I, and I know that the education system is, is starting to shift over time, but there's still I still believe that a lot of learning is placed into a compliance bucket, mm-hmm. and it starts back at school in terms of these are the subjects you have to do, and it's the same subjects that have been around for a hundred odd years, uh, and we're going to tip content into your head. And then we're going to test you on it. And then we're going to then decide roughly a hierarchy of, you know, um, smart to not so smart students in the school based Mm -hmm. on how well you did at remembering stuff in a test. Um, And it's an indoctrination, not education Mm -hmm. um, that starts in school. And, and And the challenge I think that learning has is that a lot of people that end up in learning um, in organizations all they have to draw on, all you have to draw on is your own experience. So what was your own experience? It was school and it was university. And what was it? It was content and it was tests. And, and you know, and you you did your time. Like, you know, a lot of people school, you know, like again, and it starts with things like homework. Like there's so much research done that going homework does not work. Um, you know, learning requires... Um, you know, it's best with immediate uh, feedback and input and advice, and and it's a two-way conversation, and and it's and it's w- works well in social settings. But giving someone a but giving a kid a bunch a, a whole heap of content to basically read by themselves with no outside input at home, in order because this is the curriculum, and we haven't we're basically. I didn't get through enough stuff during the day today, so I'm going to give you the other content that I meant to do for you to do at home, but all that stuff then goes into organizations where it's like, right, people need to learn stuff. We need to make sure that they've done it mm-hmm. and it's going to be content and it's going to be assessment. And, and even if it's leadership, it's attendance and it's content. And I think there's a big, I think for me, that's one of the biggest challenges is that learning across the board in terms of a, um, in terms of school and organizations learning as punishment yeah and it's been really interesting homeschooling my three kids and seeing what's been pushed out to them um through you know the various apps and things from teachers and um you know i'm not disparaging the teachers they've been put in a really um hard situation and they're, and they're quite limited by the technology in the in the apps um you know we're using seesaw which i think is an absolutely terrible um educational app um, the activities in there were just, it's just busy work. It's, it's like you, you know, if you're working in a, a corporate job and you just had a team and you just needed to keep them going, you just kind of give them busy work and it's not really results focused. And there was so many things that uh, were assigned to my kids and I'd sit down with them and watch them do it. And I think they're not learning anything from here. It's not even fun for them. It's just kind of pointless. And I didn't really you know, follow up too much on, on making sure they did that stuff. I'd, I'd rather than watch a YouTube video on how to draw a cat uh, yeah. there and they'll have fun and they're, they're developing a skill over that time. But all these um, 
really strange activities that are just it's just this idea that yeah well they're doing something so they're they're going to be developing these skills they weren't really targeted at all no and it's 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 compliance mm. and and it's it's yeah and it's it's still very a strong compliance theme um even if it's even if it's around things like, you know, the, you know, and they've called them soft skills, but I don't think they're soft at all, but, you know, anything to do with empathy and, and you look at right now, there's a big thing on around diversity and inclusion and, um, you know, training people like human beings. But again, it's a, you've got to do the course. Hmm. It's like, well, couldn't, isn't diversity inclusion, not a, it's, it's not a course. It's, it's, you know, you, it's weaved into the social fabric of your culture. And that's when you start stripping back going how, and that's where learning's like, well, what 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 role is learning playing to integrate um, the you know, integrate things like diversity and inclusion into the culture of a business? And as you said, they can't do it by themselves. So hmm. what role is the marketing team and the comms team and, and you know, everybody again working together and each bringing their own skills to, you know, um, address some challenges that the organization sees that it has yeah if we kind of stick with the the school comparison um if i think about any teacher that i really liked or respected they were the ones that made me think um there was neil postman has a a book it's quite old now called i think it's called teaching as a subversive activity which is all about um kind of changing the world through subversive teaching really uh getting getting people to think and i think if 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 in L&D, if we shifted from compliance and we more thinking about being a little bit subversive, I think that long-term would create much better results for businesses too. Um, because if you think about it, I mean, learning is, is change. We're, we're learning new things. We're changing the way we think about things. We're changing the way we do things. Uh, that can lead to a lot of innovation and change. And, you know, I think when we're focused on compliance, we're just focused on maintaining the status quo of the organization. We're not helping the organization move forward and innovate. Yeah. How do, how do we shed these beliefs that we may have and mm. put on, and, and again, try on new clothes and try things on. I remember, I remember I had an economics teacher once and he was, yeah, I like that idea of subversion and, and the role that learning should play in it because he challenged us one time in terms of in a class he said if you want to see economics work he said what you want to do is all of you guys around the same time work out which banks that you bank with and there were like 30 of us in the room and he said so say you know if if a whole bunch of you were uh, um, currently banked with the same bank go down to the bank at exactly the same time line up in a line and start talking loudly about how concerned you are with this bank and you're taking your money out mm-hmm. and, 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 and basically have a line that goes out the door saying you've heard something's happening and you're getting your money out. And, and, and he said, you can see it. You know, and, and, and said, and then basically you're saying, look, everyone will basically start freaking out and, and getting on their phones and, 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 you know, start, you know, taking their money out and you could, you know, cause a ripple effect from basically getting something started. But his, you know, but again, his whole thing was I could teach you about all this economics content in the classroom, but why don't we, why don't we mess up? What, what, if you guys want to, if we want to see how the system works, let's see if we can break the system. Mm. Uh, And this is how we could do it. And I still remember like, you know, a few of us, um, 
you know, we'd planned to do it, but then didn't have the guts to go through it. But yeah. I still remember that lesson because he was basically going, I'm going to give you some, let's have a, let's, let's talk through a real practical, a, a real world example where you could try to break this thing to see how it works. Mm. Yeah. Because his whole thing was this whole economic system is way more fragile than you think it is. And it's all based on perceptions and there's not a lot of reality to it. And it's paper thin as we, and we've seen that we had to see that happening all the time. Mm. And his whole thing was a whole bunch if, if, if I wanted to, I could get a whole, I could get a, a bunch of these school students in the school to go down to banks at exactly the same time and see what ripple effect we could cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, breaking something helps you understand how, how it all works, how it can break in the future, how you can put it back together, but it also um, helps you see, what how it could be changed how it could be reimagined as well and i think that is what's happening at the moment is we haven't gone out and broken stuff what's happening in the world right now and it's not just COVID 19 there's lots of other things if you're in australia we had bushfires i think at the start of the year i don't know it feels like three years ago this year's gone on so long <laughs> um but so many things have broken and we're, we're going to have you know economic troubles for for quite a while as well Things have broken and it's an opportunity for us to look at, well, why why did they break? And, you know, a lot of the problems in workplaces, um, then they're not because of the current situation. They're exposing issues that already exist. Yeah. Uh, like I've, I've got friends who, who most of my friends and family don't work in office jobs. They work in, you know, the health sector or um, kind of tradies and things like that. And... In some of these situations where it's a little bit of a grey area if people can work from home, it, some of the heavy-handed policies and the, the the way the managers have acted have really exposed how unqualified these people are to to manage and make decisions because they're not turning up every day and following the template of, well, this is what we've been doing for 30 years and I've just kind of elevated into this job because I've been here the longest. As soon as something goes wrong and breaks, they don't know what to do. And um, I think it's a really good opportunity for us to see where those things have broken so we can help fix those. And it also gives an opportunity to have a, a little bit of a, it's not entirely clean slate, but a little bit of a clean slate to build things up in a, in a better, more resilient way as well. Okay, so so taking that in terms of taking this opportunity to do something different. So if mm. I'm in if I'm in L and D, Matt, and I'm listening to this right now, and I've been charged with, hey, we've got all this face to face content, mm -hmm. we've got, um, and we need to go virtual because we still need to. We both, you know, and 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 I'm sure you and I are both hearing the same thing. We've got a whole bunch of content, um, and we need to, um, put it all online. Mm. What if I'm in L and D right now? what maybe should I be, what questions should I be asking or what a couple of practical things that you yeah. think people could do rather than just going, let's just go straight to digital. Yeah. I'd be asking like, what's, what's the point of it? What's the purpose? I mean, that's the the most important thing here is uh, what problems are we trying to solve? What are we trying to improve here? What are the things we're trying to avoid? What's the point of it? And I think, um, with content, especially uh, this content mindset is it's so when you're thinking just about content, it's just about conversion. It's just about, well, I've got this thing that's face-to-face. -face. How do I deliver it over Zoom? Or how do I chuck it into storyline and pump it out? But if you go back to, well, what exactly is the point? Like, why does this exist? Does it need to exist now? When you think about those things, then it opens up the options so much more. Uh, you know, I think one of the most underused tools that we have in corporate learning is conversations and discussions. 
and we yeah. don't need to be sitting in a two-hour presentation by someone. We might be able to have a 15-minute conversation over the phone or over a Zoom meeting or over Slack or you know, a lot of this stuff actually doesn't really need to exist. So I think we need to look at what's the point of it and then and then prioritize from there. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's just straight up. Yeah, you know, like I said, the easy option is to is to put it all online, and it's also to go out to the. You know, I always sort of say, if, if learning if learning didn't exist as in an L and D department, mm-hmm. um, would learning still happen? And you go, yeah, of course it would. Mm-hmm. It's you know, people and and you know, people would again, like in in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. And, and so therefore, you know, I've sort of talked about this with people before, you know, the point of learning is that ultimately, if you break it down to its basics, it's to, to minimize the amount of errors mm-hmm. um, that people have when they do something and to ideally speed up the time to competence, mm-hmm. um, the, the time that it takes. So, you know, it's, it's sort of ultimately, you know, it's not about the content that's going, okay, so how would I minimize, how would I help someone do that thing more quickly? Um, and 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 with less errors and like you said and if that goes well actually if I just spent 15 minutes with them or you know and, and again you go across a whole bunch of people we're going well again is there a way digital you know and again you can go is there a way digitally that we could take a little bite and get people to practice a thing mm-hmm. and then let us know how it went yeah what, whether it was, you know, it's the old classic of how often do learners really get asked, did you use this? Yeah. Like you've just done, so you've just gone through some content, um, you know, one month later, did you use in any way any of the content that we gave you? And you're like, no. Like it's a, for me, like I always crack up when people do, um, you know, they do health and safety, you know, as part of the induction. Mm-hmm. Going, okay, well, so I, did, I went through the health and safety so what if I wasn't in a health and safety situation for six months? Mm-hmm. You know, how, 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 how relevant will the health and safety training that I had six months ago be? And probably not. It's probably going to be based on a whole bunch of things that I've learned over my life and decisions that I've made, because ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Mm. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's finding out from the, you know, what, what's the purpose and what problem we're trying to solve, but also whatever we do with somebody, do we actually ask them whether they used it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we need to, you, 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 I mean, you probably encounter this uh, quite a lot when you work as, a, as an outside and you come into an organization and say you're working with a client who isn't, um, well, let's say you're working with learning and development. One of the questions that I ask a lot is, do we need to involve internal branding or internal comms in this? Because sometimes they need to be involved. And um, if they do, I like to get them in early so we can collaborate, they can be part of the process. But also, if, if they're not involved at the start, they might come in at the end and say, you need to change these colors. And, you know, the style guides, you can follow them to the letter, but... Ultimately, a lot of that is kind of subjective too, and internal branding have the pa- the point to the power to be able to come in and say, "Let's just, you know, change it all visually or, or whatever." Usually, when I ask that question and say, "Hey, let's get internal branding involved and internal comms involved," there's kind of like people don't want to. There's hesitation, and the yeah. reason for that is they're seen internal comms quite often is seen as a barrier to communication. They're seen as the yeah. ones that control and refine it, and when I work with clients on, you know, corporate learning projects, but they're not L&D teams, I ask a similar question. I say, well, let's get the L&D team involved as well because they 
they run learning and development here and they should be involved and let's collaborate with them. And to be honest, quite often I get the same kind of hesitation because I think a lot of learning and development departments are seen as the people who want to kind of control the quote unquote learning. You know, they want to control anything that has a learning label attached to it. And yeah. they're, they're seen as a barrier to learning. And I think yeah. something really important now when, when everything's all up in the air is that the best way to support people is to, to open up uh, the, yeah. those opportunities and, and find the way to support the employees and the business in the best way possible. We don't need to control everything and say, no, we need to review the content first or we need to build that out or we need to turn it into content or this is this is what we need to do because this is our strategy and it needs to align directly to this. We need to be thinking about how we can best be useful in, in the, you know, the organization we work or for our clients. Yeah. I, I find it ironic that, that, that that's the, I, I totally agree. There's still a lot of silos that go on and, and we talk about and, and, and learning, you know, the importance of vulnerability, but how often do we work with people that, you just they can't be vulnerable you you, you know that there's almost the i think there's that challenge sometimes for, for learning is that if i'm in learning i've got to know i've got to be an expert hmm. and i've got to know all this stuff but of course you know you don't like you do you, there's nothing wrong with saying i don't know like i've got a problem and i've got no idea how we're gonna solve this one but again there seems to be still an organization is a strong need for you have to have an answer yeah um and 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 also I find too that that the cult control thing and this is and this isn't just learning I find that and 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 I've done this from time to time too, if you're not if you're not too sure about something, or if you feel you're on shaky ground, you grab hold of it even tighter, hmm. and and so I think when I when I see the a lack of of people wanting to share or really digging into positions. It's actually almost coming from the lack of, you know, there's a, there's fear there because I don't know as much as I do, and therefore I can't, I can't give it away. I I've got to hold on to it, and I think that's a that's a challenge not just in learning but across a whole bunch of parts of businesses. Absolutely, yeah. When you when you don't have the confidence of being an expert in something, you you kind of want to control it because you don't want to be exposed. And I think the one of the best things that we can do is is saying. I don't know. I think really a real expert, a real advisor is someone who's confident to say and confident enough to say, I actually don't know the answer, but I have the the skills and the frameworks and the tools to be able to help work together and find the answer. Or I, I can help you find someone who will be able to find that answer as well. And we, if you're working in a learning and development team, you shouldn't be afraid to do that. And if someone's saying, you know, we need to solve this and you don't know how to do it, help them find someone you, you don't have to just plug away at it and just kind of bang your head against the wall and try and do it and say you can do it that's that's not going to help you it's going to be stressful and it's, it's not going to help you know your stakeholders yeah and it comes back to that word that you used right at the start today which was around you said i've been you know experimenting and i think mm -hmm. it's one of the things for people when they come into lnd and lnd itself to really start thinking more with that how can we do more experiments mm -hmm. so let's not put out a program let's not put out a whole bunch of content let's just what's the problem we're trying to solve and then we don't know if there's this and, and be vulnerable and stuff we don't know if this thing's going to work or not so we're going to do a little experiment with this bunch of people and we're going to get them to do this one thing you know we're going to we're going to we're going to help them do one thing differently and we're going to get feedback from that and then feed it back into the next part of the experiment but i think it's that mindset around we're going to test some stuff um and we're going to be testing lots of things all the time and 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 then see you know hopefully 
if one part of the business is doing lots of experiments, what, how, how positively could that affect the wider culture? Mm. Do you, do you, do you find that learning and development teams are open to experimenting? Um, it can, I, I, I think it comes down to, again, the culture that they're a part of, and yeah. especially the people that are in decision-making roles. Yeah. Um, and the ones that go, let's, let's try this. Like I, I love working with people like, let's blow this shit up. Mm. Let's, let's, you know, the, that was the old classic of what we've been doing in the past hasn't worked. So why would we keep on doing the same thing? So why don't we try something different? Um, and let's do an experiment. And then, and then, you know, and that sort of energy and mindset just feeds into other people that they work with. So again, it's, it's not the, uh, uh, yeah, I think that that's out there in pockets, but it's still very reliant on certain individuals. And those individuals, after a while, if the culture's just going to be not, you know, if the culture just doesn't get with that, they just go, oh, I'm, I'm out. I'll find, a, I'll find a place that is, that does buy into that. And that's where I think I can flourish. Yeah, you've, it's it's kind of like the TV or film model where you have these really great independent creators or someone takes a chance on them and they just go out and they kind of be creative and they make something and they and it might just fit into a certain niche and you know a, a small group of people really love it, it gets a cult following and they're really passionate about it. But then you've got kind of the studio exec model where they run focus groups and they just water something down so much because they want to please everyone and they they have this sense that it needs to be perfect and then no one really ends up loving it um it's kind of something that's really bland and i think that you know we need to get away from this sense of it needs to be perfect before we give it to people because it usually ends up being something that's really boring and bland and people don't like it anyway it's okay to put things out there that um, are going to be a little bit different. And, and if people don't like it, you, you're going to learn from that. You're going to learn, well, why didn't that hit the mark? Why did people say they hated it? Why did people say it was confusing? Um, if, we, if we don't keep experimenting, we can't really have learning as part of, you know, uh, our job title, really. Well, that's the thing. I, I'd much rather create stuff where some people bloody hated it and some people bloody loved it. Hmm. Um you know, just like get a react, like how, how much of learning is there's no reaction. Like I, I think learning has got to be, it's the old classic of it's, it's the heart, not the head. And you want to get, there should be emotional reactions to what, because, you know, you know, ultimately, you know, you're, you're wanting to shift someone from this to this, and this is fundamental um, behavior change and, and, and things that you're messing with and for people to go and, and again, to lump it in with a completion. Yes, you've done it. It's all just, uh, Oh, it just makes me weep. Um, and, 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 and therefore, you know, learning, it, it should be fire and brimstone. It should be reactions. It should be, hey, some people in the organization got really pissed off by this and we're going to go, when we're going to drill down into why. But there's another thing that, an interesting thing is we've got a, a whole, a, a much larger group that really this thing is saying that's the most, that it really resonated. And therefore, can we drill down into that? And I think it's, but it's, it's getting, creating learning experiences that actually move people. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, I could I could spend hours talking about learning experiences. I mean, I'm, I, that's, I think that's on, the, that's on the next session. <laughs> well, and 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 just quickly to touch on that though, you know, I think there's this big shift to you know be calling yourself a learning experience designer, and and I think if, if we're honest about it, we look at you know who has a job title learning experience designer. There's still a lot of that. That's just a code word for a content creator in some way, yep. and. If we think about learning experience, I think a lot of people think about kind of 
user experience and customer experience where it's all about reducing friction. It's all about getting someone to that checkout as soon as possible so they make a purchase or it's, you know, not making them click through seven different things so they use the app and they enjoy the app more and they don't go buy another app. But if we think about it from a point of view of the term learning experience, when when people use that in the past, like if you think and whoever is listening to this thinks about like what have been the biggest learning experience in your life, they haven't been pleasant. You know, there's been there's been ups and downs. Yeah, any skill worth pursuing has peaks and troughs. You know, you you have those moments where you just, oh, I'm never going to get this right. This really really, I'm, I suck. I'm I'm I should mm. give up. And then you have a breakthrough, an insight, an epiphany, and and then you, oh, it's it's a wonderful, excellent, magical feeling. Um, but you think about you know, in your career some really tough projects you've gone through or that really bad situation you've had, those have been the most, the, the best learning experiences, the ones you've learned the most from and the things that have provided the most valuable skills and insights uh, and knowledge to you as well. So I think when we talk about learning experiences, we need to think about learning experience as in a learning experience that someone goes through, not learning experience in terms of I'm just going to make the, the most frictionless kind of experience yeah. possible. Yeah, learning learning's not just easy, and and you talked about that earlier on in terms of we've got to be uncomfortable with the problem, and sometimes the learner has to be uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, it's through that it's through that. Hey, I'm not all that comfortable with with the experience I'm having, and then obviously if if you've got a good learning experience designer, they're going to sort of ideally guide you through this. But there's going to be moments or periods of time, and again, it's not. And it's moving away from the event. It's still, you know, again, we talked about this whole mistake in going digital um, is that it still becomes very much an event. It's a, it's a one and done. Mm. And, and learning is not that. Learning is, is happens incrementally over periods, periods of time. So, again, there's that wider, how do we move away from the object that sits on a platform to something far more holistic? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, mate. Look, I think I think um, I, th- I think we're good for today. I think uh, I, I just feel the rage building, and and I think you and I would be just dropping f bombs in about. Five I was minutes. I was just going to say we, so, there was no uh, no no explicit so, language. Um, no, we've done well. No, I think, but I think we've just, I think we've we've we're just going to pause it today at just the right time. Yep. Um, and we're going to pick this up again uh, soon. Yeah, because I do want to get more into the actual learning experiences and we and get into creativity and stuff, which we didn't really touch on today. Because mm-hmm. I think we can sort of go down a bit more of a rabbit hole on that side of things too. So, yeah. um, hey man, uh, awesome. Love 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 hearing you speak. Love hearing your brain. Um, thank you so Ghost much for your ways. time. No, awesome. Thank you for having me. We really enjoyed it. All right, buddy. I'll catch up soon. Take care. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Bye.